This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Hi, my name is Becky Sedgwick. I'm part of the team here at Parenting for Faith, and this is the Parenting for Faith podcast. Well, I don't know what it's like where you live, but it has finally stopped raining here. And it's so lovely to look out and see, well, grey skies, but they're definitely not rainy skies. So I'm hoping that you'll be able to listen to this podcast free from thunderstorms. Anyway, in this week, I share a story about how God used a labyrinth to help me surf the waves of Hannah's teenage years. And we had a question from a listener about how to use the key tools with a baby. So we are Sarah Hogburn, who's a mum of several small people and a very experienced children's pastor, about what she might suggest for the key tools in a baby. And for our wild card this week, I chat to Mark Arnold, the additional needs bog father, about how we can support siblings' spiritual needs. And of course, we'll end as ever with a question to start an interesting conversation. So for this week's Cornerstone, I'm I want to tell you a story and this story is, well, I've written down the title as Hannah, the Labyrinth and the Mini-Me. And I hope that's enough to get you like intrigued. But it starts when she's in her early teen years and there's so much change suddenly happens. Like you've got this kid who basically does what they're told and comes to church and, and enjoys Sunday school and stuff. Like that. And then they suddenly change and and as they change, your instinct is to pull them closer and control them more and more. But they just want to pull the other way they, because they're becoming their own person. And there's like there's about 10 years of magic, which is really hard, I think, as a parent. But this magic of transformation where with hindsight, you can look back and see, oh, that's what was happening there. Or that's what God was doing. Or, oh, that's why they didn't like this. Um you know, there were times when I dreamt of skipping 10 years ahead so I could see what she'd be like when she'd become a civilised human being. But that's another story. But so we're here and Hannah is a young teenager and she's begun to, what, what I saw, as pull away from church. Um, she didn't like the youth group she was meant to be attending now. She wasn't interested in reading a Bible and um, she'd become interested in sport a sport that happened on a Sunday. So I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, my instinct is no, 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 no. And I think that I realise that now with hindsight, but looking back, I think some of that was quite subconscious. Anyway, we had this prayer week at church and one of the activities was a labyrinth. Now, it wasn't a really good labyrinth because we had fixed pews at the time. So you couldn't like clear the space and make a proper labyrinth. So this wonderful woman had elaborately sort of organised the pews with um, bits of rope across the end. So you had to go one way. Anyway, there was various things to do at various places in this labyrinth. And I went round it and I got to one and I can't remember what the exercise was, but there was a piece of paper and you had to draw. And suddenly I found myself drawing this picture, a big me, a smaller Hannah. And then it was like God was almost directing the pen. I, I crossed out the smaller figure and I wrote, not a mini me. And I was like, what on earth is going on? And then God showed me that I was so concerned about Hannah's kind of spiritual progress that 
I wanted to control it. And the only way I could control it was by pushing her down the paths, which I'd enjoyed as a kid. Like, I like reading the Bible. I love my youth group. So I was like going, no, no, you need to do this. You need to do this. And when God showed me that, it was such a liberating moment. It was like, oh, he said she can find her own paths. And that was a game changer for me in how I felt about her, things like her church attendance and stuff. She doesn't have to go down the same path as you. I will just add as an aside how bad it was about me trying to force it down paths was that uh, we usually had a youth group that went to Soul Survivor and one year it was only, well, no kids wanted to go. So me and my friend took Hannah, who didn't want to go either, but we made her go so she'd go to Soul Survivor. That was how bad my control levels were at that point. Anyway, enough of me. So I just wanted to share, I think sometimes hearing other people's stories is quite helpful. And at Parenting for Faith, we talk about something called surfing the waves. And I hadn't heard of surfing the waves at the time, but but I get what I was doing then. I was learning about surfing the waves. So just like a surfer doesn't create the wave he surfs on or she surfs on, they wait and they spot the wave and they jump onto it or swim onto it in the surfboard and they ride that wave. We we don't get to choose the spiritual waves or indeed any wave of interest our kids have. We can sometimes influence them, but you know, it's like if your kids suddenly develops a passion for the theatre. As a parent, you generally get behind that and you're like, you know, take them to endless rehearsals and go to every performance and you'll discuss with them the merits of doing drama GCSE and you'll you'll support them and you'll take them to the West End for a for a birthday treat. You you get on board with this passion for the theatre and you you help them explore whether it's something for them. And we can do the same spiritually. And I think the problem is I got totally hoodwinked. I was really good at supporting her kind of what I thought was secular interest, but I got totally hoodwinked into thinking that spiritual waves for a kid looked like worship, Bible, justice, compassion, um, youth group, attending church, that stuff. I had a really kind of limited vision of what a spiritual wave looked at. And when I didn't see my child being interested in any of those things that I could notice, I think I began to panic. And it's hard to let go of your teens, especially when they pull away from the spiritual habits and patterns that you've created when they were younger. But I needed, I needed to say, not what's God not doing, but what is God doing? And it was so, it's such a different thing. She's not interested in church, but what is God doing? That is something he's put in her and her alone. So I think that's just what I want to say this week. It can be tough to let go of your kid, especially when you can see them launching themselves head forward into kind of some of the most tumultuous years of their life. And you've got to just hang on. But you're not doing it alone. And you can widen your vision and see what God's doing in them and then get on board with that let them go on their own journey and I can look back now now she's way out of being a teenager and I can see some things that were going on then that I couldn't have understood were part of God's plan for her life but clearly were
Okay, so we've had the question, what do the Parenting for Faith key tools look like when I have a nine-month-old? So I just want to talk a little bit about what it looks like um, using some of those tools with a nine-month-old. Um, and there's five different tools in the Parenting for Faith um, tools. Um, two of them may be less relevant to really little ones. Um, unwinding uh, wrong views. Obviously, they don't necessarily have any views yet. But you can start thinking about um, how are you going to describe God to them? What stories will you tell them? How will you tell them? Um, and surfing the waves is about um, looking at what they're interested in. And little ones are interested in different things all the time. So you can do this, um, but it's much more short term, I guess. Um, and I just really want to focus on the other three. So um, creating windows. Um, is, there's loads of opportunities, really, just to create windows into what your life with God looks like. I think when we have a really little one, it's tempting to be like, right, they're asleep, so now I get to spend time with God. But actually, sometimes doing those things when they're awake, maybe when they're settled, you can sit with your Bible and spend some time with God um, if you're not sleeping, <laughs> exhausted. Um, or even when they're not, actually, just um, being open with God, talking to God about how you're feeling um, when they're really upset, uh, putting on worship music and worshipping. It's basically processing life with God out loud so that your child can see and hear it. And they will take that in even when they're really little. And actually as well, if you make this really normal now, it's going to be much easier later. If you start, it's a really good opportunity having a little one because if you start off by um, speaking to God out loud when they're around, then that's just going to be normal for them and it, it will become normal for you much easier than when they're older. So there's lots of opportunities to create windows. Um, the second kind of key tool is framing. Um, and that's something we do naturally in our normal life anyway, even with really little children. Um, even when we don't think they can understand us, we still do it. We still read them stories even though we know they probably don't understand the story. And when we are walking with a pushchair, we talk about what we can see, um, even though we know they don't fully understand what we're saying. And it's just about putting God into those situations and saying, do you see what God is doing in this? Do you see what he's, he's, where he's at work? So maybe when you're looking at animals, you can say, look, there's a fluffy sheep. Isn't it amazing how God made this sheep so fluffy? And so you're making it, it's something that you talk about anyway, but you're including God in the conversation and you're showing how God is in those things. Um, when they're going to bed, night, night, it's okay, God is with you. You're going to be okay. Um, when you're at church, obviously that's a bit up and down at the moment, but um, if you get to go into a church service, looking around the room and saying, look, can you see the people worshipping? I'm pointing out to them. Look what people are doing. Look what God's doing. You can start doing that even from when they're only nine months old. Um, and then the, the final one we've not touched on yet is chat and catch. Um, and um, you can start to do that even when they're really little. You can start um, kind of facilitating them being able to chat to God by chatting on their behalf. Um, you, can, um, tell, you can tell God what they're saying in their first person voice. So, you know, you say um, with a young baby, you might be saying, oh, yes, I'm zooming the car. You can say, God, look, I love this car. This car is so cool. And so you can be that voice for them when they can't be. Um, and then catching. Do you know what? God can speak baby. He can, he can communicate with our children, our babies, even if we don't know what is he's saying. And it's just being open to that and being open to the fact that God can communicate with them. Um, even if we don't understand what he's saying and 
giving that space for that and praying into that as well. So hopefully that's given you a few ideas of how you can use the key tools even with a really little, little baby. So I'm here again with Mark Arnold, the Additional Needs Blog Father and Urban Saints Additional Needs Ministry Director. And I just wanted to to chat with you a little bit, Mark, about siblings, um, siblings of children with additional needs. And maybe um, for parents there, um, sort of any wisdom you've got or sort of sharing experience and stuff in that. Brilliant. Thanks, Becky. Hi, everyone. Uh, Yeah, siblings, a much overlooked group. Uh, so often siblings can find themselves um, being a bit marginalised, being you know, not deliberately, uh, but inadvertently can find themselves just being left to get on with it. Uh, and and that can be the case, uh, you know, within within a family, within church, with, you know, in, in lots of different settings. And, you know, and I say that as dad to a, a, a child with additional needs and disabilities and also uh, James's older sister Phoebe, um, who doesn't have uh, any additional needs, and you know we've we've found uh, time and time again we've had to be really careful to make sure that we are uh, taking uh, account of Phoebe's needs uh, and and helping her as well because yeah siblings do have a unique set of needs you know there's a, a, a unique package of challenges perhaps that that they face. It's hard for a family with a child with needs to get to church or something like that. Does that put pressure then on the sibling? How, how do you support a sibling's spiritual journey? Do they have big questions, um, things like that? Yeah, uh, yes to, to all of that. I think, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of things about getting uh, to church. Obviously, church is a bit different uh, uh, in a lot of ways at the moment. <laughs> but, uh, but whether that's getting to church in a physical building or getting to church online um, still involves a lot of organizing and a lot of coordinating and a lot of trying to get things uh, sort of moving in the morning and all that sort of thing. And uh, um, within a household with a child with additional needs or disabilities, that can often be hard. And so uh, it can it can be easy for a family to, to miss church and yeah. And that can mean that a sibling might miss church. And if they're relying on uh, another family member to fire up the Zoom session, for example, you know, if that doesn't happen, then they've missed church. And and that social interaction uh, can be really important to them. And, and particularly if if they're gathering in a in a building and uh, you know when when that happens again, giving them the opportunity to be themselves uh so you know i talked about james and his big sister phoebe phoebe often you know has been referred to as james's sister uh and uh, you know when, whenever that happens I, I i look at her and even now you know they're, they're they're both young adults now but even now when that happens i look at phoebe and i can see on her face her saying i've got a name you know i'm phoebe <laughs> i'm not just james's sister there's more to me than that uh, and and so you know within a church setting it's important that we recognize that that we uh, we recognize the challenges that siblings face but we also recognize that they're an individual and uh, and so in that we don't uh, for example expect that they will be the one that's looking after their disabled brother or sister 
we don't make them the one-to-one carer uh, for their uh, brother or sister when they're in church because church can be an opportunity for them to get some respite to be able to explore things for themselves to ask those big questions for themselves and and spend some time examining that to to form those social and relation relational connections with with other young people with other folk in the church congregation without constantly having to be looking at what their brother or sister's doing and, and making sure they're okay. Uh, you know, we, we, we need, whether as parents or other family members, you know, that, that, that opportunity to, uh, to, to do things for ourselves and, and siblings are, are, are very much like that. And, and yeah, they'll have those big questions. And some of those big questions might be questions like why, uh, you know, why my brother or sister, why our family? And the hidden question within that is, why me? You know, why, why, is, why has my brother got uh, additional needs and, and why has that had a, an impact on me? And, uh, you know, they're hard questions to ask. Those, those big apologetics questions are, are, are yeah. challenging, aren't they? What about, do, do you, you know, what about questions like, why did God let this happen? Yeah, you know, it's it's a really tough question uh, to grapple with, and and I think it's it's about trying to sort of focus more on the uh, the positives, you know, and saying that that actually, first of all, we 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 know that it's hard, that that actually things are hard, uh, and and not to dismiss that, and you know, it's very easy to throw out a. A Bible verse about how you know we're all wonderfully and perfectly made, and that includes their brother, uh, and so let's move on uh, without actually recognizing that even though their brother is you know a, a child of God too, there are things that are hard about that, um, and that they're hard for their brother or sister. That's hard for them, hard for God too, uh, and God journeys with them and understands uh, that it's hard and wants to hear from them when they talk about how hard that can be. But also thinking about the positive things that having a child, a brother or a sister uh, with additional needs can bring. What have they learned? Uh, you know, what, what skills have they gained? What are the positives that have come out of their journey? And how can, in talking to God about that, they ask God to help them to use those gifts and skills and experience that, that they've gained uh, in positive ways, maybe to help others, maybe to help other brothers and sisters, other siblings uh, uh, in turn, so that you know, they're able to share their journey and, and share their experience with others. You know, there's, there's organisations like SIBS. Mm-hmm. SIBS are a, 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 an organisation that links siblings of disabled children together uh, i think it's sibs.org.uk is their website uh, and uh, you know maybe a, a, a sibling who's trying to figure things out for themselves in connecting with with sibs again it gives them an opportunity to share their journey a bit to get some support get some input but also to be able to support and help others in turn and turning things into a positive uh, is is always going to be helpful um, whether it's for a parent or a, a sibling uh, on their journey it's really helpful thank you mark thanks so much 
can this week's question to start an interesting conversation? Who is one person at your church that you'd like to interview and why? Have some great conversations. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.